Welcome to Paradox Walk Podcast, specializing in paranormal activity, UFOs, cryptids, glitches in the matrix, anything completely out of the ordinary. Today's episode, we're going to be discussing two people that have two different experiences of almost being plucked out of this world. Uh, One is just mentally, and the other one got plucked out of their world and seems to be put into this one, but completely mind, body, and soul. I'm recording this in November of 2022. So I'm going to start with this one here. This guy, his friend claims to almost like consciously have been pulled out of his body for years. And he starts off with one story where he has missing time. And then from there, it leads to something way more serious and quite frightening, honestly. I'm going to start reading here. And this was a comment. Uh, A lot of good stories you get from comments under videos of other things. Interesting videos seem to spawn interesting comments. So here, quote, Richard told me when he was 12 years old, he was in his living room at his parents' house and he was playing with his friend. It was 6 p.m. in the afternoon or that's evening, I guess. And he was playing with his friend. Next thing you know, she went to roll the dice and he woke up in his bed and he was kind of confused. When he got up out of his bed, he went to the kitchen and looked at the clock on the microwave and it was 1 a.m. in the morning. He was extremely baffled at this because he remembers playing with his friend at 6 p.m. the day prior and he went back to his room. He had so much fear at that moment. He told me that after that experience, what it felt like at 1 in the morning. He said the air was stale, almost like static. It's hard for him to explain in greater detail what he meant by that but he said the air was dead. He then began to tell me that he felt like there was a presence there, but he couldn't see it, but he could feel it. And it was really thick in the air. He could just not understand how at 6 p.m. he was playing with his friend, and at 1 a.m. he wakes up in his bed, and all that time had passed. So then he told me when he got to age 14, something else happened to him, and it scares him every single day which is pretty shocking because Richard is one of the toughest dudes I know. He told me all he remembers was that he was in the kitchen peeling carrots with his mother and he went to throw away the peelings and that was the last thing he remembers. And that from that age all the way to about 26 years old, he doesn't remember anything. When he asked his siblings and his mother what he was like during those years of amnesia, he calls it, they say to him that he was like a zombie that he didn't talk much, kept to himself. He wasn't moody, he was just completely and utterly dull. Richard expresses to me sometimes with tears in his eyes that he literally feels like he was plucked out of existence for that time, that he doesn't remember anything. You can't remember girlfriends, you can't remember friends he made, can't remember his studies at school, he can't remember anything. It was like he was plucked out of that time of his life and it really freaks him out. He also wanted to show me something that really freaked him out and it freaks me out as well. He has these weird marks on his body and places on the outside of his left knee and behind his left ear or these perfect oval scars. And when you feel them, they're actually like holes, like indentations. So this is what I wanted to share. Thank you. The next one here is actually type of, um, I think a few episodes back, I did one about people that claim they're from a completely like other world, like another version of Earth. I used to laugh at people that talked about UFOs and stuff until I saw one, and then I don't laugh at that anymore. So I'm not sure I'm going to laugh at things anymore when people tell these stories. So this is, uh, I'm not from here is the name of this post. And uh, I think they 
follow it up with the words, this is a long time coming. Quote, I am not from here. And by here, I don't mean where I currently live. I mean where any of us live. Anyone reading this right now. It's now a few days after my 30th birthday, and this time of year always strikes me because I started kindergarten on my birthday when I turned five. I thought, at that time, everyone did that. Uh, you turn five, and you turn five, you go to school. I didn't realize my birthday just happened to coincide with the first day of school. And a little over a year later, in about two weeks' time, it will have been 24 years to the day that my entire world vanished. I was born in San Diego and lived in a poor suburb of San Diego as a child. I lived in an apartment complex called Lemon Vine Apartments that were a bit slummier versions of the Lemon Vine Apartments you find in Lemon Grove, a suburb of San Diego. My parents were divorced but friendly. My mother was young when she had me and she was beautiful. She was in her early 20s and was aspiring to be a model and would regularly take trips to L.A. to do photo shoots. She did. Now, he changes this up later on in the thing. He calls it glamour modeling, and a lot of people don't know that I guess actual word glamour modeling is like softcore, almost like nudity and stuff. But he says, no, she didn't do that because he didn't know what that was so i don't know to me glamour always meant like fancy and like stuff like that so that's what he was using that as like she did modeling for magazines she had a darker skin tone being one quarter indian indian not native like indian from the country india and it gave her an exotic look my favorite picture of her as a child was her modeling in a luxurious wedding dress for a bridal company i used to sleep with that picture when she would go to l.a and I would stay with my dad, who worked for the city of San Diego. They shared custody pretty evenly, and we even did Christmas together as a family, even though they had split when I was still a baby. My dad, his girlfriend, my mom, who was single, and me. Maybe things weren't as good between them as I remember, but I was six, so if there was drama behind the scenes, they did a good job of hiding it from me. On September 17, 1996, I was staying at my dad's parents in Riverside, California. They had a small farm where they raised chickens, pigs, and goats. No horses or sheep or anything, but my grandma had several pet ducks that would eat seed from your hand, fly away, and return every year like clockwork. My dad had to work at night for a week, and my mom was in L.A., so I stayed with my grandparents. Schools back then were pretty cool with this kind of thing, and I was sent home with the sorts of nonsense assignments you'd expect a first grader just come back to school from summer break ended. The 17th was the third day I was staying with my grandparents, and my grandpa had told me to be careful outside because he'd seen a rattlesnake and wasn't sure where it went. So since no one knew where the mystery snake had gotten off to, six-year-old me decided to go hunting for it. In hindsight, letting a six-year-old go looking around a farm for a rattlesnake was probably not in any parenting 101 handbook, but it was the 90s, and I guess they didn't actually expect me to find it. There were woods on the property, but I wasn't allowed to go in there, so they probably figured that's where the snake had gotten off to. I'd spent all day outside playing jungle exploration on the farm, trying to track down this rattlesnake. And, much to my excitement, when I decided to open the well house, which, for those who don't have one, looks kind of like green electrical boxes on the side of the road, there it was, curled up, rattling away. I immediately slammed the door shut and ran to my grandparents' house to tell them I'd found it. Now, this might be my six-year-old memory exaggerating, but I'm pretty sure that snake was at least 900 feet long, give or take. I found it, though. 
I was excited to tell my grandpa I found the snake so he could do what he did, go out and shoot the thing. I ran in the back door of the house, which leads you to the laundry room and through the kitchen. I paid no mind to anything until I turned left and entered the living room, expecting to see my grandparents, my uncle, and the neighbor all sat in the living room where I'd left them, except they weren't there. And it wasn't the same living room anymore. The furniture was completely wrong. The hard and memorably uncomfortable hardwood furniture my grandma loved so much was gone. The coffee table he made out of a tree stump was gone, replaced by fluffy grandma-looking furniture. A three-person sofa with floral designs on it. The TV was in the wrong place, and newer than my grandpa's old sit-on-the-ground cabinet TV. The hardwood paneling on the walls was gone, or at least covered with blue wallpaper. The hardwood floor was a was a shaggy off-white carpet. The pictures of my dad, my uncle, me, and my grandparents were gone from the walls, replaced by paintings and pictures of people I didn't know. As confused as I was by this, I was more confused by everyone missing. In my six-year-old brain, I accepted that they might have completely rearranged the house while I went out looking for the snake. But I didn't believe it at all that they'd just leave me alone and I didn't see anyone leave. I didn't see cars go down the road, so I walked out the front door, which was attached to the living room, as they usually are, and I thought maybe they'd gone to the chickens or the pigs. Both should have been visible from the front porch, but the chicken coop was gone, and the pig pen lost its fencing, and there were no pigs to be found. At this point, I was beyond confused and getting very scared. I didn't want to be alone, and I didn't see anyone. Even though they lived on a small farm, the neighbors that had been visiting lived just across the dirt road, so I ran down our own dirt driveway across the road to their house, assuming that must be where they went. I remember getting more and more scared as I ran to their house, and I remember starting to cry when their house was the wrong color. It wasn't the faded yellow house it used to be. It wasn't even the right house anymore. Nevertheless, I banged on the door. I remember at this point I was crying quite profusely, because I didn't understand what was happening and I kept wiping my face which was covered in dirt after I had been digging around under stumps and logs for snakes all day. When the door opened, a woman in her late 40s to early 50s answered but I'd never seen her before. I started bawling uncontrollably. Everything after this point is largely a blur because nothing was right. I knew where I lived, I knew where I went to school, I knew where my grandparents lived, but I met the people who lived where my grandparents lived. And they were not my grandparents. I did not know them. I begged for them to get my uncle to tell them who I was, but my my uncle wasn't there. Through a series of various police and people in suits, I was brought back to the town I lived in after spending what seemed like 10 hours in a local police station trying to contact my parents. I had my home phone number memorized. I told them my dad would be asleep but when they called that number, the person on the other end had no idea who I was or what they were talking about. I was asked to give the police officers my address and sat in the local police station while the police in my hometown went to that address. When they finally arrived, when they finally called the station back, they were informed that the name of the apartment building was incorrect. Lemon Vine Apartments didn't exist, and the address I gave them to the apartment complex was Merritt Manor, and the apartment number I gave them was unoccupied. I believe at this point they were operating under the assumption that I had given them the wrong name of the apartments and the wrong apartment number, but I did in fact live there. When I was finally brought to my hometown after changing hands a couple times between police, I was asked to give the police officers my address again and was driven to where I lived. That was it. That was my apartment complex. But, like 
just like everything else, it looked wrong. It was painted a different color, and the sign that used to have a large image of a lemon, a lemon reading Lemon Vine now read Merritt Manor. I took the police to exactly where I lived, and just as they said, no one lived there. From this point forward, the police attempted to contact neighbors, all of whom knew me, but none of them were who they were supposed to be. Every person who came out of the apartment buildings around me were the wrong people, and they didn't know me. From this point, they attempted to contact my father, which should have been easy, as he worked for the city, but no employee by his name apparently worked for the, for the city in any capacity. As day turned to night, and I spent endless hours sitting in the police station as they attempted to find any person in the world who knew me, I couldn't do anything but cry, cry, cry endlessly. A woman in a suit who I think was either a detective or... So he goes on to say, like, um, there was a lady who was nice to him and gave him a stuffed animal and stuff. Okay, so, quote, I told them I went to Shawnee Elementary. It was easy to find. It was really close to where I lived. But a school by such name, you guessed it, did not exist. My school was now apparently called Anza Elementary. At one point, I was asked the police if I ever had my fingerprints taken, and I had. In kindergarten, my entire class had their fingerprints taken by the police at the school gym for basically exactly this reason. Unsurprisingly, this did not help at all. They couldn't find my parents, my grandparents, my neighbors, my apartment, or even me. They couldn't even find me. I was too young to remember what my social security number was, but I severely doubt it mattered. They asked my birthday or any relevant information that could help me figure out who I was and where I belonged, but nothing I told them turned up any information about me. At some point during the day, I was briefly taken to the ER as the police suspected I might have sustained some kind of head injury. After being looked over by a doctor, they found nothing wrong with me and I was sent back to the police station. Um, so he ends up saying like a lady... I think he stayed with one of the police ladies and people started coming in that had missing kids and meeting him. And um, he said that that was really awkward because at first he would get real excited. And then the, he saw that the couple were real excited. And then when they all met each other, like was some big letdown and he started to feel guilty and bad and stuff about um, meeting people, getting their hopes up and hurting their feelings. It's kind of a hard, hard read, but um he ended up going to a foster home permanently. He says his case wasn't officially closed. Um, he had to go to start start going to school, and he needed ID, and he was issued a birth certificate, and they just gave him the day that he popped up. He's like, I told them my real birthday, but they didn't. They just put the day that he popped up into this dimension, September 17th. Weird. So one of the last paragraphs, I'm skipping a lot. You're, everybody's free to go read this. He says, this story doesn't have a happy ending. I never saw my parents again. I was a ward of the state until I was 18 and went nowhere from there. Yeah, he just never ended up finding anybody. He's like, I'm going to answer a couple questions that I get. And he says, uh, were things different in the place you came from compared to where you are now? He says, I'm not really sure. I've been asked about countries, states, laws, planets, languages, and all that. He says, the fact is, I don't really know. I was six. The continents could have been completely different, and I would have had no idea. I wasn't particularly bright either. I mean, I was hunting for rattlesnakes. I also thought California was a country, and I say the president of the United States was not Bill Clinton. I can't remember exactly what his name was, but we had to learn it in kindergarten. I believe his name was Robert something. I want to say Robert Wilmer, but don't quote me on that. I guess 
for some reason they say, well, if you never took a DNA test and you don't show the results, like no one's ever going to believe. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people don't want to take DNA tests. Uh, it's kind of like the code to your mind, body, soul or something, it seems. So um, anyway, I don't know. It's not my job to tell the world what's real and what's not. I don't think it's commenter's job to tell people what's real and what's not. If someone makes up a story, so be it. There's eyewitnesses to portals, real quick stories, and I think it went something like a man and his wife were driving back somewhere around, I want to say Texas or New Mexico, and there was some springs. It wasn't Hamas Springs. I know those were real famous around where I lived, but it wasn't those. It was something, I think they were called Sulphur Springs, if I remember right. But a husband and wife couple were driving back, and they were going kind of slow by one of these springs, and they said uh, they saw something come out of the, like the hot water. And they said it looked kind of like a big, like a human frog type thing, like something you would see in a sci-fi movie. And it got completely out. It stepped to the side, like almost to the side of the road, and it just jumped into the air, and it went through a kind of portal and disappeared as it like jumped into it. Um, someone had a story of a, they call it a crawler. Now, I don't know if it's a crawler, like those big, long-legged, glowing things that they actually made a statue of, I think, somewhere in California. Crawler could mean, like, I've heard these things be called, like, like the rake, like those skinny, translucent-type, gross-looking beings that just kind of creep around and they look like golems or something. Um, they said one came out of like people hiking or something just saw like something kind of open up and they just like walked out of one um i've heard of those like dogmen like wolf wolf creatures coming out of portals that were almost like flying uh like some kind of weird staticky sparking orbs and then they opened up and they dropped out and then like hit the ground and then they hit the ground running i think that was in a cornfield by someone trying to plant marijuana or something so there's these stories of these portals and I think people have seen Bigfoot using them. I remember one, this guy said that he saw like a little tiny Bigfoot, like a like a junior. <laughs> um, I don't know what you'd call that, but he said he saw one and he, he drove up to it and it had its back turned to him. It was just sitting on the side of the road like it was mad or something, like it was like sulking. And he said he he took his truck and he like slowly like bumped it and the little the little angry Bigfoot let let the truck bump him like he knew it wasn't going to hit him i I think these things are kind of like psychic in some way and they kind of know what you're thinking and it knew the guy wasn't going to hurt him with the truck or something which i I thought was really interesting and so he bumped it once or twice with his truck and the thing finally like got up and it looked all mad and gave him a dirty look and it just like walked straight ahead and it just went into like some kind of opening in the air and just disappeared portals i have no clue and what's up with the guy losing his consciousness? It's anybody's bet. But uh, after hearing all these weird stories, I'm starting to think that like consciousness is almost like a separate part of the human experience or something. I don't know. All right. I'd like to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. My Patreon is patreon.com slash paradoxbuck. Um, I'd like to thank my first Patreon, Roxy. And the uh, music is Downbeat88. And the opening track is called The Dark and the Last outro music is called moment of peace remember to click the rss feed for your app to put into it so you can always get the newest episodes and thanks a lot for listening have a good day bye